Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 100, I believe, and 92nd edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. We are back after a week's hiatus uh, due to uh, detoxing. I had my, my body was so tired. Anyway, no one cares about that. They care that we're back, uh, presumably. And uh, the Blue Jays have done nothing in the time that we've been away. Maybe not nothing. They've done things of, uh, uh, maybe we could say they've done several things incrementally that have built into things that we can talk about. Uh, And we, of course, being me, Drew Fairservice, and joining me as always. Uh, Old Reliable. Old Reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm all right. You're all right. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're back. I, I, you know, I hate to take time off, but here we are. We're better. We're better for it. The podcast, this week's edition will be better for it because... Yeah, we'll we'll try to cobble together some sort of a thing to talk about, I guess. There's lots of stuff to talk about. The winter meetings are coming up. Uh, there are moves being made all around mm-hmm. uh, the Blue Jays. There are Blue Jays adjacent moves being made that we can maybe kind of roughly, roughly, as you said, cobble them together. We could stick Blue Jays stink onto you know the Paul Goldschmidt trade that could be the Josh Donaldson trade that never was. Mm-hmm. Um, we could maybe talk about that. We could talk. We were planning. We haven't really talked about uh, James Paxton too much. I don't think plays with the Yankees now. Did we talk about that? I think we talked about that. Yeah, I think we talked about that. It's still stuck. Nate, Nate Eovaldi resigned with the Red Sox, four years and uh, sixty-nine million dollars. I think. No uh, more, more than that. No, I, I think I'm. Th- I thought it was. I thought it was sixty-seven or. Yeah, no, what, 69 what, what, was what uh, Willie Nealon. Yeah, got. that's right. 69.69 or 6.969. <laughs> the phone call that came at 420 in the afternoon. <laughs> legend. Legend. Absolute legend. That was like, get your money, Willie Nylander. Uh Robinson Cano got traded. Mm-hmm, yeah. Th- that's not nothing. I don't know how we're going to make it Blue Jays adjacent, but sure. I mean, He's it's... like Troy Tulowitzki if Troy Tulowitzki was still alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Twice as much player, twice as much time left on his contract. Actually, we can start with the Troy Tulowitzki thing, because that's kind of the most, one of the more recent things that came out. Uh, Ross Atkins, in an interview, I believe it was with Scotty Mack, Scott MacArthur on uh, TSN, said in as, I, it wasn't even as many words, there was no codified language. It was like, eh, it's going to be tough for Troy Tulowitzki to be an above, was an above average player, which is, maybe there was, we were making a lot out of his comments. Uh, you know, for him to be above average in the field, to be above average to play, to play 140 games, he basically said there's a really low likelihood of that happening. Yeah, um, which and is he said he's going to have to. Which is true. Which is true. You just don't hear people, managers, say, general managers, say that about their own players very often. No, not well, not when they're they're half daring them to retire. No, you yeah. never hear. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think he said Troy Tulowitzki is going to have to overachieve to be the Blue Jays' everyday shortstop, mm-hmm. which is a little bit shocking. Uh, I mean, it's not, because George Lewitsky is George Lewitsky. He's been hurt uh, and mostly ineffective. Um, but I, at this, I don't know. I, we, we've, nothing has changed, because Tulu hasn't played. So the, the, the questions about George Lewitsky are the same. They're just louder, um, and with, as there are two years left on his deal and a, and a $5 million buyout. Does that sound about right? Either four or five is the, is the buyout, but yeah, two years left. Like it's 2019, 2020, and then the 21, 2021 option for 4 or $5 million. Yeah. Um, so he's not going anywhere. There are some questions about whether or not his contract is insured, which um, if you are a Blue Jays fan, guess what you don't, how much you care about that? Not a fucking bit. 
Well, true. Though it's interesting, at least in the way that it may dictate how the Blue Jays play this. Because if it's not insured, if they're just you know if they you know if they could if they can't do the David Wright thing or the Prince Fielder thing, where it's like okay, we're just gonna pay high premiums and wait until we get you know compensated for all the time that he's missing for the insurance. That's you know maybe they just keep him on the roster and and there's an issue with him. You know whether or not he's ready to play, and whether he they want him on the DL. Maybe that's where there's the contentious issue. If it's not insured, and if they're just going to be on the hook for it anyway, uh, then you'll see something different, most likely, which will be he ultimately gets released. I assume. Like it, it's it does seem like it's pretty. You know, and I think Atkins' comments spoke to this. It's pretty cut and dried. Like where they're at. Like he he could have lied and been like, oh yeah, too healthy Tulo. That's our shortstop. But I mean, obviously, that's not what they want um so yeah it's uh it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sticky situation i suppose but it's it's really sort of a lot of it's just still dependent on how healthy tulo is and what the hell he wants to do when the jays are like no but seriously we're playing the kids this year like what like what are you doing out here i still i can't get my head around the fact that they ha- don't have a better option at shortstop every day in 2019 um because i apparently am the last person in the world who doesn't believe in lourdes guriel that much i mean uh, no I, I think that's fair but I, I would i would perhaps suggest you know he will guriel i think people still see as a utility guy like he did not look great at shortstop i don't think it was his best defensive position when he was here this year mm-hmm. uh but Give him a year, give him however long it takes before they bring Bichette up, which may fucking be a year because they love this. Uh, they know they know what the service time means and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that having him be their shortstop for this year means that they're that's it, that they're giving him the keys forevermore, right? So uh, I still think that yeah. there's there's merit in seeing him uh, get a real run at that position because I think he could probably use the reps there if he ever is going to be good enough to be a starter because he might have to be because Bichette might you know, not quite meet expectations that way. That's entirely possible. Uh, and I don't think anybody wants to consider that. No one wants to think about that. Uh, the, it seems unlikely that Bichette won't hit based on the scouting reports, based on, you know, the numbers and the way that he's hit and given his age, playing at double A for the first time, um, you know, came on strong despite kind of having a bit of a rough, uh, early part of the season. Uh, but yeah, like, I guess I am not getting my head around the fact that that it is a bridge year to if not, you know it'll be probably not Bichette's job to lose, but he's going to have to go out of his way to prove that he can't do that job at some point. Yeah, be that in AAA spring training, you know, during a major league, um, you know, uh, extended look, and then there's always the you know the guys coming behind him, um, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, had a big, big year and, and has a lot of prospect helium. But uh, the, the other side of the other question, I guess, that's asked, and it, it reminds me of, um, you know, like, what, 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 is, what is the goal for the team in 2019 then? Is it find out what Guriel can do, convince themselves that Urania can't, isn't an everyday shortstop on a, on a good team, or that he can or can't hit enough to play every day? Uh, but in the, in the bigger picture, is the team's job to be bad, uh, which doesn't seem like it's too far off the truth. The team's job is to be bad in 2019. 
a little playing, bit by playing the non-premium kids. Yeah, I, I think I, I think it is. I mean, I think that they are hopeful that they'll be better than that. But but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that they're probably resigned to you know oh if if Guriel can't hack it, then we go to Urania, who probably can't hack it, and and it's sort of diminishing returns from there. Uh, because yeah, I mean, it's all sort of about 2020, 2021, I think. Which is fair. With, but I that, guess. but that is why you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, at some point as well. That's why, as I wrote, probably around the time we talked about the uh, talked about this on the last podcast, is you know, okay, so then what are you doing with with Gritchick and Stroman and Sanchez, who are only going to be there for one of the uh, of the you know one of the first years in the start of Guerrero's next uh, you know uh, the, the cheap. Uh, control years of his contract. Well, that's fun to think yeah. about. I mean, well, that, that, somebody's well, got to somebody's got to do those jobs. Someone's <laughs> got to pitch. Someone's got to be good. Someone's got to be. Uh, if the team's going to be good, they need good players. And and but I think Stroman and, and I think and that's why why your question is right. Is like what do, what does this team want to be in 2019? I don't really know. And uh, I mean uh, to say that I want they want to be bad is disingenuous, obviously, but. Getting a good, strong, realistic sense of what Guriel can do every single day, defensively, offensively, you know, for a guy who doesn't walk, how is it going to take the league longer to figure him out? Or is he going to be able to figure out how to become a more um, diverse offensive threat? Uh, or as, you know, and same with Uranian, whoever else is coming behind. Or is it like to put a, the best or a decent product on the field to get some value? Um, for what you got to pay Troy Tulowitzki, is, or is that one hundred percent sunk cost? As, as you said, depending on on you know the options that they may have, they could just pay him to go away. So then he's playing in Colorado for the league minimum as like the twenty fifth guy in the roster, doing what Matt Holiday did last year. I don't know, but I mean, I, I call me crazy. I'd like to see Troy Tulowitzki play every day. I like to watch Troy Tulowitzki play baseball. Yeah, is that is that why, so bad? Is, Am I a bad person? Am I, I a bad, shitty, non-process worshiping fan for that? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. No, I like I like watching Troy Tulowitzki when he's uh, when he's playing as well, even when he's not necessarily the guy at the plate uh, that we all kind of hoped he would be when he got here. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is I think this is an important year for Guriel at shortstop because Bichette's coming because they they don't have a lot of time to see what he's like there because they're the next guy is. Uh, is knocking on the door pretty loudly, so I think that would be a thing that they that they'd like to do. I think they would like to see what he can do as as a, as a big league shortstop. But also, maybe they already know. I mean, it looks pretty looks pretty clear that he's like that. That's not really a, a full time everyday shortstop in the majors. And uh, but it also, you know, it gets harder to find at bats for a guy like that going forward. I mean, I think that. Uh, I may have mentioned this on here before, but I think like a good goal for them sort of long-term is like, you know, they talk about Guriel as the utility guy and it's, and it's like right now there's a bunch of positions where he could play every day because they don't have anyone better than him. So I think the, you know, if you think about building their roster, it's like, okay, get someone better than Guriel for left field, for second base, for all these positions. Uh, I think is, you know, not necessarily a, probably a stated goal, but uh, something that they're sort of working towards. So he's he's got a, sort of a limited amount of time where they can give him that kind of run. Uh, and yeah, Tulo's just kind of getting in, in the way. I mean, assuming Tulo's healthy, which is already a big assumption. 
That is an enormous, enormous assumption. And an, an assumption as enormous as Troy Tulitsky is enormous. A giant of the field. Mm-hmm. A very large shortstop whose body has broken down. Yeah. Uh, Gurriel, I think it's worth noting, um, probably has a significant amount of trade value if he can prove himself to be at least a, a, a valuable utility guy um, because he has a, a contract. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. He has a bit... There's a little bit of... Um, uh, breakout proofing built into that deal, maybe? I can't remember if he can opt into arbitration at some point or not. I, I'm, 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 I'm glad you up brought that right up. I, I'm looking at the, the, the tra- MLB Trade Rumors story for, uh, you know, that came out that they, it doesn't answer that question. Okay. Yeah, neither does Cots. Yeah, it says... Uh, because uh, oftentimes these major league, these guaranteed major league contracts, the reason that what well, to answer me, your, to answer your question, Alemis Diaz had that that opportunity, I believe, to opt into arbitration. That's what it was. Uh, Jose Abreu, Yesiel Puig, or Arles Chapman, a lot of these Cuban players that sign big league deals, which they don't really do to draft picks anymore, they can opt into arbitration if they are due for a larger arb reward than they would get as uh, laid out in the contract. So it's almost like the contract is. Uh, his was seven years, $22 million guaranteed, could obviously grow if he gets into arbitration and, and is set to earn more than that. So so maybe the breakout pricing isn't in there, but there's always risk, right? There, it, how much is a is a player without who could potentially be without a position, who potentially could not walk between now and arbitration? Um, how much risk is he willing to um, entertain? Well, I think he'll I think he'll take a couple walks between now and then, but I know it's not a strength of his game. I think we should we should do a <laughs> Quebec uh, a hat eating. Uh, if uh, if he walks twenty times in uh, in twenty nineteen, you you have to eat. I don't know, like one of those hair like do rag things that he wears. Is he wearing the do rag thing? I don't think so. Maybe I don't think so. I think, uh, I, I, think I, already, I think I'm I, thinking of his brother. His brother wears like a thing on his hat. Yeah. I already, st- I already still haven't fucking sent Burroughs as fucking winnings yet for our bet. I need I my. Wanna, what about my winnings? You should. We should cut Dave, poor Dave, who's mostly logged off these days. <laughs> cut him out. You could. You send me whatever you had to send him, because we had a bet about about uh, Marcelo Zuna and Christian Yelich, and I can't exactly remember who won although i do remember kristen yelich <laughs> winning the mvp of the national league so i think I that mean, might mean that i won that would be a, a, a great burrows move to uh to just cut him out yeah it's a, move, a move worthy of uh of his menace he's not a menace i miss him i miss the shit out of dave burrows online i'm gonna go on the record probably for the second time actually Saying that, I miss his menacing ways. A saint, in fact. Yeah, um, I like him speaking of trade rumors, <laughs> so going back a little bit, we haven't heard much about this. So, Troy Tulowitzki, the Robinson Cano, um, they traded. I, I made a joke about you know Cano and and Tulo uh, to the Mariners, who Robinson Cano is still a very very effective baseball player. Guy who was of course suspended for eighty games for uh, violating the joint drug agreement. In being in violation of the joint drug agreement, uh, pissed, five years left bad, in his yeah. contract. Yeah, had a bad hmm? piss there. Took a yeah, took yeah, a, took yeah, a yeah. piss, his, and then it was not his good. Piss, his piss was hot. <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. need to see it. Technical terms here. I know. Just apologies <laughs> for the jargon. 
But they atta- they they had to attach him to which just because of the the sheer amount of money that he still owed to um, that crazy really uh, Edwin Edwin Diaz, Diaz yeah who was, who was very very good oh yeah. But also, there's a lot of good relievers you could just go buy with money, if yeah. that was how you were so inclined. But they're the Mets. They do Metsy things. Like hire um, an agent as their GM, for example. Uh, yeah, the agent of the guy they just traded away who's owed $150 million. <laughs> <laughs> well, how crazy, how fucked up is that? that, they, that this has just happened. An agent is the general manager of the Mets. Yeah. That blows the agent of their two best players and the guy they just traded for, who's owed thirty million dollars a year until he's forty. <laughs> what a crazy world! <laughs> oh well, I mean, if it was any, if it was a normal team, that would be one thing. But if it's the Mets, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I get it. They the Metsiness comes for you when you least expect it. <laughs> um, going back a little bit because it's been a little quiet, but there was a there was some talk about Russell Martin mm-hmm. um, being traded. There was a talk about uh, you know teams being interested, the, the Jays shopping him, uh, and the Blue Jays apparently will, being willing to pay, and I quote, a significant portion of the $20 million owed him, that per uh, Jeff Passan. Right. Significant portion. It's going to have to be, yeah. Is it going to have to be? I mean, what, Brian McCann got $2 million bucks. Did he? Something like that. It's going to have to be a significant portion of his contract. <laughs> Pretty sure. Now I got to double check, but I just I get. Well, maybe I don't yeah, get one, it. One year, two million dollars for Brian McCann. He was hurt a lot, though. No, no, no never mind. You know. <laughs> I mean, I think Martin is maybe a better defensive catcher, obviously, and framing and whatever. But uh, yeah. He doesn't have the same pop. McCann's got pop, right? And Russell Martin just like walked all year, where McCann hit the ball over the fence a few times. Yeah. Um, hence, hence but, they're probably comparable, in which case, a significant guess, portion. <laughs> they're both, I think, half-win catchers. Though, you know, obviously the Fangraphs war will not take into everything into account at this point of, the, of that position and what it all means. But. Absolutely not. And the baseball prospectus does, and it... it Tends to smile upon Russell Martin a little bit more brightly than um, than Fangrass does, but I guess the sense is that those two players are significant roadblocks to the development, to the um, the seasoning of promising young Blue Jays players, or at least understanding what it is the Blue Jays have. Do they have a viable utility man or trade piece in Lourdes Gurriel? Is Danny Jansen good to go? Is Luke Maley, you know, he doesn't make a lot of money, so he's obviously a lot of, very valuable to, it, to to them. And then the other guy. Reese McGuire. Uh, Reese McGuire. Like, what can they get see with him? So there's uh, a log jam They seem to quite position. like him. They seem to quite like McGuire, actually, right? For a guy who doesn't hit at all, I think uh, he does everything else well enough, and the bar is so low at catcher that I think he's a guy that they probably like more than uh, than, than fans do at this point. Fans will learn to love. Well, no, it's all about the Danny Jansen, though. He has wild-ass glasses. <laughs> Get those Chris Sabo fucking goggles on. Well, let's go. It's a, it is it's such simple lives we lead that <laughs> that guy has weird glasses. Just becomes an, it's, it's, a, it's a personality. He has a personality. <laughs> it's true. Where he, he, he has more personality than Mike Trout because he wears wild glasses. <laughs> 
As, or uh, that's a good point. Mike Trout should just wear some wacky glasses. He probably has probably has like seventy twenty vision. Is the problem there? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the problem with Mike Trout. He misses his old glasses. Uh, I saw somebody make, equate. <laughs> we're here. Welcome back to Oilers all day. Yeah. Somebody equated Connor McDavid to Mike Trout because there was some stupid thing about is uh, Austin Matthews Jack, uh, Jack Eichel the new Ovi and Sid. And somebody, you know, it's like, did Connor McDavid fucking die? And then it's like, he's just going to, he's going to be like Mike Trout. It's like, yep, he's the best player in the world. He plays on the moon. And no one ever gets to watch him. And none of his games matter for shit. But he's out there setting the ice on fire with his ridiculous superhuman skating. And no one will ever care about it other than the people who live in Edmonton. So no one. No one ever. Some lovely folks in Edmonton. Lovely folks. We, okay. We've lost okay. Edmonton again. We've yeah. lost Edmonton. We, even though we dedicate our podcast to the Oilers, a team that not, neither you or I will have watched probably one time this year. Oh, God. I watched exactly. I watched the third period of the Leafs and Habs on opening night, and that is the extent of the hockey I've watched. Me too. And, and it's true. What I've been saying for years about opening day, what happens on opening day dictates what happens all year. Absolutely. If you have a bad opening day, you're a bad player and the fans don't like you. <laughs> I haven't watched a single Canadiens game since, since opening night. And I'm in my head, they're bad. But I think in reality, they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's something. I, I kind of, I have a fantasy pool, so I pay attention sort of peripherally, which is to say obsessively about fourth liners to bring on to my fantasy team. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know what their fucking record is. I, I, they were doing well for a while. I think they may have come back down to earth. Uh, are we, should we just make this a podcast about us speculating what NHL teams' records are? No. <laughs> um, yeah, fair. But hey, fuck, Ajax in the Champions League, fucking uh, Raptors setting the world on fire. What do I, what do I need? Ajax just didn't sport of sell their for? best player? Yeah, well, Are they gonna sell him, or is that like is that a January transfer move? No, it's gonna be in the summer. And, and oh, okay, he he's he's gone anyway. They cannot afford. They cannot afford world class players. They just uh, they're just it's not pumping them out of the academy. But uh, it's not uh, the IX and then uh, they, yeah uh, yeah jeez. Uh, uh, I'm just hesitating because I'm like, do I want to talk more about IX? Because this could become a real problem. Uh, like Listen, my tw- like my Twitter, but no, like there's this thing on, like five thirty. Save it for save it for Remco. We'll bring Remco okay, on, and okay. you guys can talk about oh, Ajax, and then oh. Remco and I can talk about poker, and then no one will ever listen to the show so again. Um, I want to talk about Russell uh, about Josh Donaldson. Is what I want to talk about. So we're done talking about Russell Martin. Some of they, they're going to pay him to go away. They're going to pay him a lot because the roster spot is much much more valuable to them than the money that he makes, and they're so. going to try to get the payroll down, even though with all that dead money. It's not technically going to be down, yeah. and it'll be a shame. And and I, eh, it'll be I, nice. It'll be nice to see him on a contender. Like a, it'll be a contending team. He'll go and have a nice. He'll have like the David Ross role. I, I mentioned that on Twitter. The Cubs are looking for someone who could be that guy. Or there's there's you know everyone could use a Russell Martin. I guess Russell Martin. He. It would be nice to get him like a like the, the Jose Bautista got the yeah. nice send off. It'd be nice to give that to Russell Martin, but also maybe it'd just be nice to have him. Having a bat as an as an opposing player that could be nice. Okay, trade um, trade him to the Brewers and then he'll play for them in Montreal. There you go. That sounds good. Yeah, that's what are they a good gonna, deal. What are they going to what are they going to use Eric Kratz again? Come on, they did resign him. I know. <laughs> yeah. He's still in arbitration. He's like forty years old, still in arbitration. <laughs> the poor son of a bitch. Um, 
Josh Donaldson got was signed by old friend Alex Anthopoulos. He's going to play for the Braves, which was very much the speculation, I think, for much of the year. Although he only signed a one-year contract mm-hmm. for one, sorry, for twenty-three million dollars, which is a lot of money. That's a very sweet little pillow contract you acquired for yourself. Does it justify trading him? Does it make trading him look worse? What is your sense of, does does it give you greater hindsight or does it, or does it make less sense than anything than ever before? The deal. I don't know. I don't know. I think that, uh, I've heard Stephen Brunt say this too. And I think that this, what colors my opinion of all that, uh, more than anything is the fact I think they were just kind of done with that. Like, I I think that that was, you know, you hear what come out, what's come out about the, uh, the, 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 what do you call it? The, the training staff and the rehab from injury and whatever went down there. And he goes to the Braves and makes a point of mentioning that it's like, you know, George Poulos is there, you know, Anthopolis hired old guys from Toronto and, mm-hmm. thought, you know, they know me, how to get to me back onto the field, you know, how to keep me on the field. Uh, that relationship didn't seem like it was going real great. And that, I mean, that's no excuse for uh, not managing their asset very well, though, I mean, you you could be forgiven for thinking that uh, that Josh Donaldson would have a would have a good season. I mean, the 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 sainted Alex Anthopoulos just made a twenty three million dollar bet that Josh Donaldson's going to have a good one good season on in the one year of his contract. You know, but he uh, he will didn't know he would not take the grief that I'm sure uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro would for making a similar bet. Uh, though obviously the circumstances of both teams are a little bit different, uh, by which I mean quite, quite a bit different. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, when, if you think of it relative to the the question of whether or not he would have accepted a qualifying offer or rejected it, I don't know. I mean, I think if you if the market was twenty three million, it would have been probably less with a draft pick around him. So mm-hmm. uh, you know the the amount of you know an eighteen million dollar qualifying offer would probably have looked pretty attractive to him and. And I don't think that the Blue Jays were wrong to, if they didn't really want him back, to be like, all right, we better get something for him and just uh, and just end this cleanly rather than have it linger into, you know, dueling Tulo situation with both of them uh, next ring. Just sour, salty old men hating the world. <laughs> yeah, probably probably not ideal environment for uh, for the the new culture and the bright young. Uh, Young athletes, you're trying to to bring in, and uh, and and show you know, how to how the big leagues work. They, so they went through this big culture shift. When was that? Like after 2014, where they wanted to get the malcontents out. They wanted to get the guys who maybe had been there a bit too long. The Adam Lins and the Colby Rasmus, and they, they bring Laurie. in these Brett, like Brett Laurie. Let's be honest, Brett Laurie, and they bring in the the consummate professionals. They bring in the baseball Jim Rat. To, to the get the trade deadline. They bring in Donaldson, who's just committed to the craft. And then, you know, three years later, it's like, get those fucking cancers away <laughs> from our cherub-faced youngsters. Because you could, especially with the new fangled stuff that's going on, you can imagine Donaldson uh, aches and pains like, oh, yeah, your leg's bothering you, is it? Well, don't let them know. <laughs> they're gonna fuck you <laughs> all they care about is is that they put butts in the seats they don't care about you <laughs> yeah. just poisoning their minds <laughs> that was... <laughs> I, you I, know it would have yeah that would have been a great angle to <laughs> made 
2019 a little more interesting, I guess. But get yeah. get, get yours every <laughs> single time you can. My, uh, the more I do this, that voice, that Josh Johnson whisper voice, it's going to turn into Maury the Hormone Monster. That's close <laughs> as I can get it. I haven't been practicing. Obviously, I need to. Um, I think I think that the Blue Jays' desperation to a be done with it and b get something out of the out of the exchange um, was worth it uh, because I think that the Braves overpaid. That I don't think anybody else was going to go anywhere near to that number, especially for one year. That's a lot of money for almost every team. I don't That's know. That, like, I mean, the, well, the, the Cardinals just gave up quite a bit for one year of uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is fucking insanely good and always healthy. That's always the, good, always second, healthy. The second bit's and, kind of important, yeah. And way less expensive, I think. His contract is criminal. What the Diamondbacks paid him for all that he produced as like the most underrated player in the in the league. America's and, first and baseman. we would be having sorry, sorry. I America's, Amer- first, America's baseman, first baseman. Yeah, we would be having this conversation if if the Blue Jays had they could have made that trade or a trade similar to it if they had decided to deal Donaldson last year. They gambled and they and they lost. They didn't want to gamble on him anymore. They wanted something that was more sure. They didn't want to gamble on the him not signing because if he got 23 million bucks for one year with no pick attached was he even going to sign before the season was over was he going to sit there on the market like uh whoever else back in was it maybe Kendrick Smiles right he sat around forever waiting for waiting to sign didn't he the, the one years ago? the one year yeah when he didn't uh, he he didn't play until June and then yeah. had a terrible year in Minnesota so then you're the Jays and you're sitting there just Begging for somebody to sign him, and then you're Donaldson, and and that's well, it. Well, the, right? pick, like he, the picks are a little bit the picks are a little bit lower now, right? Like I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That been a thing, but but that's also a reason to, you know, to be like way Julian Merriweather against, you know, a pick in the seventies who's going to be maybe something mm-hmm. five years from now. And the Braves are you? I think also uniquely positioned. To sign a guy like Donaldson to take that kind of risk on because they have so many players making such a insignificant a baseball baseball insignificant amount of money mm-hmm. with with uh, Acuna and Albies to a lesser extent because he's not nearly as good who because who is uh, and and all the pitchers like they, it's just house money everywhere down there they trim they they slash the the budget before they move the team. Freddie Freeman makes a lot of money, but that's it. They are the, they need to do that now. They are the team that needs to be ramping up, and so they oh, they can, they were able to offer a contract that I'm sure that I don't think anybody else in baseball would have offered Josh Donaldson. So I don't think it's a mistake. I think the Blue Jays made the best of the situation as as they could, a situation or a corner that they painted themselves into in a way. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to relitigate them opting to keep him. Believing that they could have, he he could have been good, and they could have gotten more, because he could have been good, and they could have gotten more, because they like look at what the Orioles got from Manny Machado. They got a shitload for a better player. Well, not a better player. Yeah. Well, last year he was certainly a better player on balance. Though, yeah. He's not more more player. important position and everything too. But the Machado's not really a shortstop, as we know. But but yeah, no, I don't think that's true. I think that there the the talk was that the Orioles were. His numbers looked worse. His advanced metrics looked bad, which is 
damning uh, to the defensive metrics, but because of where they were playing him. Oh yeah, that, that the position that, that his his numbers responded um, to the move to LA, where they were better. He was in a better position to not m- miss balls that were should have been fieldable. I don't know, but anyway. So I, I don't know. It's, it, it is an interesting deal, and, and obviously Blue Jays. I, I, I wonder how if 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 Josh Johnson is go, is going to be missed. Like most fans are going to are going to side with him over the front office, For obviously. Sure. Yeah. So the the Braves, I believe, are coming back. Are coming to yeah. Toronto this year. I like in August or something like that. So he'll be on the DL by then anyway. But. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. They'll have there'll be a big ovation. They'll show a bunch of highlights. They'll show the slide and the, that amazing play when he scored from second base against the um, the Rangers in 2016. And uh, it'll be a nice time. And then he'll get it to be around. And if it's in August, he'll be around the cage and he'll be shaking hands and, and clapping backs. And then he'll run over to Boba <laughs> Shet and he'll don't trust them. <laughs> uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about uh, because we do have time. Is um, we're going back a little bit now. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about trading and a lot about kind of clearing up log jams and and the one player that that you, in your infinite wisdom, you kind of galaxy brained a decline Justin Smokes option uh, a few you know maybe a month or so ago. Did I, did I do that? You kind of did. Well, I throw some galaxy brain stuff out there, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the fucking Rays, yeah. Destroyed Justin Smoke's trade value, didn't they? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Which is to say, they shone a light on the fact that Justin Smoke has no trade value. Yeah, the, I mean, they're pretty comparable players, him and uh, CJ Crone, and uh, just released him, uh, the raziest of moves. Uh, well, they, they, they uh, non-tendered him. Right, sorry, yes, that's right. And then ended up trading him to Minnesota, I believe, the... Uh, the trash receptacle of the upper Midwest. Oh no, uh, no, they have Rocco. They're good now. Oh, they're, uh, it's all is forgiven. I mean, in Minnesota, because Paul Molitor was obviously trash. <sighs> don't put, don't do that to me. <laughs> don't put me in that kind of position. I don't appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, smoke doesn't have very much trade value. If that's uh, if that's the point you're trying to make, I agree. That is maybe the point that I'm trying to make. <laughs> I don't. I, I, this comes up on Twitter a lot. You know, people will be like, "Well, Rowdy Tellez had a, a, a very nice uh, you know, debut in the big leagues. Obviously, it was a bit of a a, a, a wonderful story, and, and just kept hitting when he got here. Doesn't really hit for a lot of power, which is weird for you know the the uh, the, the large first base playing man profile, but." Uh, Came around a bit in the second half in Buffalo mm-hmm. and his second go in Buffalo, but also had a lot of shit going on in his first year and, and uh, you know, had a really nice, perhaps slightly deceptive, but uh, but a really nice year in, in, uh, in 2016 in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And some people will tell you, I don't know, they, like that he is sort of another version of Guriel or of, of Billy McKinney or Dwight Smith Jr. Like, the, like these are the guys, give them some run. And I, I you know... Even if Smoke had trade value, I don't know how fast they're really going to be uh, rushing to give everyday at-bats to Tellez just yet. you got to see what you can see. And the Blue Jays aren't going to forget 
the the thing that we've already forgotten, which is that you don't believe anything you see in April or September. Um, because like, you know, as you said, like Guriel, he, Telez was, was fun. That was like a lot of fun to, to watch him smack doubles all day long. Yeah. And uh, put up gaudy numbers, but obviously there are holes. There are the number, maybe there's a bit of, of a facade there. But is is that the is is he the kind of player that you're opening up spots just to see? I don't think so. I don't think so. But though the 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 caveat to that is that you know once. Once Guerrero comes up, then you have Travis and Drury and Guriel and Guerrero, and you know you have a bunch. You have a bunch of guys. You have guys who could you, know, you could play Morales. Morales, I don't think is going anywhere. Uh, I think they'd be happy to move him, but I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, you know you have guys you could play at DH or at first base, or you could rotate around a little bit more. And so maybe having mm-hmm. Justin Smoke out of the way would help in a way. And even if if uh, Telez came up and struggled and went back down or wasn't, you know, uh, the facade crumbled a bit. Uh, you could still use that roster spot in a way that, that isn't just completely draining the life out of 162 fucking games all year. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they're going to be in a rush to do that, especially as we, you know, to go back to where we began because you're not getting fucking anything for Justin Smoke anyway, I don't think. No, I don't think that you are. And, and maybe if, Telez, like Guriel, if if Rowdy Telez maybe turns some of those doubles into home runs, suddenly you have like a cost-controlled slugging first baseman who might be of value because you have, you know, Miguel Cabrera waiting to take his spot at <laughs> at first base. I like how we've all like just discounted the ability of Vlad Guerrero to play third base. Like that's not even a thing. You you did mention Drury, I guess, in your. I do. I did. In your in in your charitable <laughs> description <laughs> of what's going on. Well, I, I think Drury's going to be at second. It's Trev, it's Devin Travis who's in trouble. So uh, also that's just, while we met, sorry, but just while we mm-hmm. mentioned Drury, I, everybody everybody obviously should subscribe to the Athletic if you are not already. Uh, obviously, that's self interested, but uh, <laughs> I just. And I, I know this. I know this is is maybe true just from some you know exchanges I've had with uh, with John Lott. But I I sense that he's not a big uh, a big fan of that acquisition. I don't I don't know that I don't I don't think that he really sees what the Blue Jays see in uh, in young Brandon Drury. I, I sense I, I just catch a little bit of salt <laughs> when the possibility of, of you know handing a bunch of at bats to Brandon Drury comes up. Something to watch for. I find it delicious. That's only because John Lott has such strong um, admiration. Maybe not admiration. He thinks highly of Jay Happ. So no doubt. For, no doubt. For, when Happ to, for Happ to have been sent away and the return to be so middling, we could all take that personally. We can all be just like this. This is the bullshit you get for him, for this fucking prince of a man. Come on. I can see that. Fuck him. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it, I mean I don't think it's personal or anything maybe it's not even maybe I'm reading into it and it's not there but I think I, I like that now I've read a, I feel like there's skepticism about whether the Drury perhaps trade's going to work out uh Based on your skepticism, I've now gone like five steps down the road, and it's a personal thing. John Law, the like epitome of of, uh, <laughs> of like the strongest 
you know, journalist guy who's such a good writer, who takes beautiful photographs, who just like cranks out a beautiful story after a wonderful story. And here I am being like, he's got it out for Brandon Drury because he liked <laughs> yeah. J. Happ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he wrote like a thoughtful piece about J. Happ being a decent human being in a job that discourages that. I'm like, he's going to defend J. Happ till his dying day. <laughs> um, you did mention Devin Travis, so let's talk real quick about that. The non-tender trade deadline came and went. Devin Travis was the proud recipient of a contract mm-hmm. offer or whatever, the arbitration thing. I don't know if he signed or whatever, but he's not non-tendered. Kevin Pillar, not non-tendered. Yeah, Jervis Solarte and Hervis Solarte, the only player to be non-tendered by the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he's a free agent and not a Blue Jay anymore. Uh, that deal, which I liked a lot, uh, did not go well in the slightest. No. He had his worst season of his career. And now he's out, uh, out on his ass looking for a job. And are we, it, are we surprised at all about the, the Travis and, and Pilar? Maybe less Pilar, but more Travis. Are you surprised that Travis got a contract? Yeah, I think it's, it, it, it seemed closer to the deadline. That was the, the rumbling you heard more, the, or people were more willing to speculate when they really sat down and looked at it than that, that maybe Travis would be the guy. I mean, people have been trying to figure out ways to get Pilar off this roster for fucking years, and it just does not seem to ever happen, uh, mostly because he stays healthy and nobody has come and taken his job away yet. Uh, they sure haven't. Um, you know, Randall Grichuk might, but then you'd have to have someone for that job. So, uh uh, so yeah, so Kevin Pilar stays. Devin Travis, I I thought he was going to get a contract, but I didn't really think too much about. That. I kind of was mm-hmm. was you know waiting and hoping to not be surprised, so I didn't have to like write furiously about some you know minor move. Uh, but I mean, Devin Travis is a guy who obviously uh, has a history here, albeit brief, but was here for the the, the special time that uh, that we all remember. <laughs> um, and it, I, I don't know, I. I don't think he's like. I, if it was the Rays, the money might have made a difference, but I don't think it's a big mm-hmm. deal to this to this team. I don't think that they're, you know, pinching too many pennies here because they're not going to be spending too many pennies <laughs> this winter anyway. So mm-hmm. you know, it's a guy who's who showed in all, you know his first like two hundred games in the big leagues, though they were sort of broken up by catastrophic injuries. <laughs> uh, showed that he could really hit, and then stayed mostly healthy last year until I think the very end and. Uh, uh, and then just didn't hit at all. So he's got options. So that's a lot to be paying a guy in AAA, and he would be sort of getting in the way of uh, maybe some of the guys. You know, the, you know, Bichette's going to, I think, play every day at short, but there's Urania there, and Urania's there as well, uh, though he might be you know, a utility guy on the big league roster. But there's a chance that, that Travis could go to AAA and try to get himself together again, and there's a chance that he could hit, though. I mean, I, I don't know. I, don't, I have no dislike for Devin Travis, and, and I think it's... If if he could stay, if he could put the two pieces of him together, which is a bit of a big ask, if he could put the hitting part and the staying healthy part together, which has been, you know, the question for years already, I guess. But, uh, but if he can do that, he's a he's a, a nice little player. I feel like so, the Aledmus Diaz trade sort of put the writing on the wall in a lot of ways. Like, okay, that, there's pretty much room for everybody. Um, Diaz being traded and Solarte being the kind of ideal or favorite candidate to be mm-hmm. the odd man out. Um, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of extra moves that they needed to make. They didn't need to to, to be done with Devin Travis. That wouldn't be a good um, managed, well managed asset had they gone down that road. 
I I do wonder though if there's if we're maybe looking at the kind of guy who might get cut like a week before the season. Yeah, it, I, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking the same thing. It's uh, because yeah, it could be. It sucks that this is the still the prime example, but it could be a Reed Johnson situation. You know, Shannon Stewart gets brought in, and you only have to pay him a sixth of his contract if you cut him at a certain point. Mm -hmm. uh, arbitration eligible guys, so I think that's possible. But I mean, I don't think that they're. I don't think for 2019 they're that loaded with infield depth at the big league level, right? I mean, I think there's lots of guys coming, but I, I don't know. I think there's probably, because he could be stashed in AAA, he's probably going to stick around, I would guess. I think that Devin Travis's fate is held in the hands of Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> bring it back <laughs> to the beginning of the show. Yeah. Because um, if Tulowitzki's like, nope, I'm playing, they're like, well, shit. This, uh, you know, you can, you're going to make this extra $50 million whether you like it or not. So this guy's career is all but over now. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, maybe. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, is there anything else? Anything else you want to talk about? The new coaches? Shelly Duncan is on the big league coaching yes, staff. Yes, who, who uh, Alexis Brodnicki was talking about uh, on this very podcast. Uh, she did when indeed. You, when you, when you uh, talked to her uh, almost a year ago, maybe, or... Mm -hmm. In the spring. Uh, anyway, that was a very good episode. I encourage people to go back and have a listen. I, I, tweet, I tweeted well, out what number it was. I think it's like mm -hmm. 175 or something like that. But I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. Go back in the archives. Uh, Alexis is uh, is very cool and, and deep into uh, some really interesting corners of uh, of the sport that people don't don't normally get into. She's done a, an incredible job of... Uh, you know, going to scout school and, and just being in, on the inside of the Jays operation for a little bit and uh, and had some great stories, which included uh, Shelley Duncan, who, you know, you heard that echoed throughout, you know, baseball Twitter when that happened, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that many people were commenting on, like, the Jays' new field coordinator or whatever the fuck it is. But, uh, but yeah, everybody really likes Shelley Duncan, apparently. That's a bit of, that's the job that Rocco Baldelli did before the Twins hired him. Um, he was a field coordinator. He was also, although he did work as the first base coach for the outfield coordinator for a long time. But uh, sounds like Shelly Duncan is is a stock on the rise, one to watch, coming through the big league um, coaching carousel or ranks. I don't know how you want to say it. Uh, I did have a note here that I wrote when I wrote this uh, run sheet or whatever you want to call it for this episode under the Shelly Duncan thing. Uh, both Eric Hitsky and Darnell Coles. Two former Blue Jays are going to be on the Diamondbacks staff as hitting coaches. Darnell Cole. Cool. Former Blue Jay. I, that's former cool. Blue Jay. I, I former Blue Jay. I seem to recall Hinsky's career perhaps being a little bit more distinguished. Uh, and then also, very quickly, a little bit less distinguished. <laughs> hey, Derek, Eric Hinsky is, is something of like a... Talk about the, the coaching ranks. He has been up and down them. Yeah. Into the World Series like a hundred times with a hundred. Uh, that was as a player. Then he's a, was a hitting coach with the Cubs for the longest time. Yeah, he, got, he got, must have got a ring. He was on that uh, that team that won, I believe. And then I think he was the uh, hitting the coach. Co hitting coach. Yeah. He was a hitting coach with the uh, with the Angels last year, I think. Wow. Yeah, I believe I'm right. sure we, you and I were like, "What the fuck? Eric is going to teach Mike Trout how to hit? <laughs> That's the easiest job in the world." Yep, yeah, you're doing great, Mike. Keep uh, whatever the hell it is you're doing. You, like you said, with your 70-20 vision, you're killing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so that's about it. Yeah. Right. As you mentioned, you did mention the Lexus. So, so we're getting now that we're into the 
the offseason's going to pick up speed. Got the winter meetings coming up. You're going to hear a bunch more from us. And then we'll start to get into, we'll, we'll have the guests back. We'll t- we, I, I mean to talk about the, the Blue Jays prospect ranking and reach out to got Jeff uh, Paternostro in the, waiting in the wings. And, and we can have Alexis on again. If there's somebody that you want us to talk to, let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash birdsallday. You can hit us on Twitter, of course, Andrew Stoughton and me. Or, uh, and that's a good way to do it. Or, of course, we are a Patreon-powered podcast. You can hit patreon.com slash birdsallday and uh, sign up. And there's going to be some f- fun, I think, Patreon-exclusive content. Maybe you saw that on uh, my Twitter account uh, a little week or so ago. Keep your eye on that. And uh, I think that's about it. Anything else? You got anything else you want to say? I don't think you so. You already put the plug in for the for the bosses down there, the overlords. The, sure did. The, the Silicon Valley VC guys. Um, hey, hey they, I have zero complaints about that situation. Uh, nor should you have wonderful. any complaints. Yeah. And I, I, so you and I talked about this a little bit off the air, and I was going to mention, I mentioned how um, I, I read the Athletic, uh, and I'm I'm the kind of person that most of my news comes in through my Twitter feed. Um, the, the Athletic has an app, and as a subscriber, you can go in and read stuff, and the app works great. I never use it, ever, ever, ever. Um, and it's not because there's any problem with it. It's just not my media habit. And I ex- was explaining to, to you, Stoughton, off the air, mm-hmm. that uh, I had it had been a month since I had used it, and I went in again, and I was like, oh, this works really well. I should do this more often. But then I realized the real reason I don't use it often is because on my phone, I updated my OS, and I have the screen time counter right where it tells you how much time you spent looking at your phone on a given day and then it weighs it against like oh you're up five percent and down ten percent from last week that shit is my god now (laughs) because it's so shameful how much time i spend looking at my phone even though my job for my in my other life i do social media for my job so there's i technically have a bit of a baked-in excuse to look at my phone, even though I don't, because I can do all that on my computer. I don't need to look at my phone. I can see what things are doing on the different platforms. But I'm just so horrifically hooked by this device, like all of us. So I'm determined to get that number down week after week. So I totally, absolutely like log off and I don't want to. Like, oh, no, I put this away. Oh, I gotta watch this. No, I'll watch this YouTube video somewhere else. Like, I'm not gonna watch it on my phone. I can't. I can't. Oh no, I'm not gonna be messing with that that athletic app. But it's gonna just cook my numbers. Um, it's, and to the point that I I I purposely this is a shameful shameful admission. I game the numbers on my phone to the point like so that I can tell myself that I'm cutting it back by screen time because I have two phones. <laughs> So, one is a work phone, one is my personal phone. I will be like, I should check my Twitter. No, I'll put my, my personal phone away. That's the one that counts. And I'll go to my work phone and like look on there because it doesn't track. So in my mind, I'm still like, yep, look at that. Under three hours today, which sounds like a lot because it is. That's an astounding amount of time spent looking at my phone. And I bet all of us, I hope, I'm not the only one who's like pushing 180 minutes a day looking at my phone. It's it's horrific. I mean, I think I think you're gaming the numbers right now. Frankly, <laughs> I don't know. You think I, I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm rounding down? <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Yeah. No, I'm not. I, I swear I'm not. I'll look okay. right now. Oh Jesus! I didn't I didn't mean for that 
But uh, yeah, hey, no, no. Full disclosure. I, full disclosure. I, I I don't look at this shit ever because it would be horrifying. How oh my god. So this week has been a bad week. Uh, <laughs> right now, it's almost midnight here when I'm recording this. I'm at three hours and eight minutes, which is 42 minutes below average <laughs> for this week. But last week was way less. Well, I was good. 10%. So last, right now, my last seven-day average is two hours and 49 minutes. Mm-hmm. Weekly. T- so this is where it just starts to like, add up in such an awe-inspiring, sickening way. Weekly total... Two hours, 49 minutes. I'm like, that's not so bad. Weekly total, 19 hours and 43 minutes. Staring <laughs> at my phone. Yeah. In a week. 20 hours. Disgusting. Horrible. I'm a sick little perverted <laughs> pig man. <laughs> I, it makes me hate everything. But and it's you know it's Instagram. You know. You know it's Instagram. You... you, you, you if it's on the weekend or you have some idle time and you're like, ah, check my phone. I'll, go, so I'll start watching these stories. Look at this maniac on vacation. That, they're like, looks like fucking little teeny tiny dashes. And next thing you know, an hour's gone past. You've been staring at Instagram for an hour. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. That's real. It's, it's, it's too real, if we're all being, if we're being honest. It is too real. We're doomed. 20 hours in a week. Like, I'm like uh, this bile in my mouth right now, thinking about it. And I'm proud of the fact that it's down 10% from the week before. <laughs> What's wrong? What a terrible world. I, ugh. Ugh. Last Don't look. The last now, now, see, now you're thinking, aren't you? Oh, now you're thinking. Horrible. You're doing that math in your head. No, I'm looking at the, my fucking, uh, last 24 hours, I have 5.2 on Twitter alone. Yikes. <laughs> Brutal. So well, that's, let us be it resolved. Sometimes you don't want to get out of bed just yet. You want to, you know, lie around for two or three hours on Twitter. I, that's a wrong, it's horrible. It's a horrible nightmare. It's or, a horrible nightmare. And then, also, and then also it happens at the end of the day as well, where sometimes you're not quite ready to go for, to bed just yet. You want to lie around and look at fucking Twitter for another couple hours. Sometimes you fall asleep on the couch, or almost every night if you're me, and you wake up, and whatever time it is, if it's 1 30, and you get up and you're like, I'm going to go into bed now, and the first thing you do as soon as you stand up, you're barely awake, look at your phone. <laughs> oh, the, well, got any internet, got any notifications? The tap never turns off. It's just, no. it's always more. You're never, you, you never can catch up. It's just chasing no. that dragon. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so bad. It is so, so bad. I can't even, um, I had, I, I lost my train of thought because I was thinking about, about notifications. And I don't even have Facebook on my phone, like, which is, uh, is really, really disturbing to think about. But anyway, download 100 apps, put them all on there. Look at your phone. <laughs> We're all going on screen diets. We're all going to just go screen diet right up. And this and that, and that this is something to remember because you and I are not millennials. I don't. You're not a millennial, are you? No, you're not. Not not uh, technically. On the deck of definition. Uh, most millennials would tell me to go fuck myself. I'm clearly absolutely. Not but they put it on. It gets put on them. The joke is always millennials or young people are always standing on the phone. No, it's not. It's the people who. It's the generation who have who. It's, it's relatively new to them. It's us people who are our age, Generation X or whatever you want to call them. They are the ones who are. 
horrifically addicted to their phones. It's gross. This is like a weird confessional. Yeah. Confessional time here on... Uh... Anyway, speaking of content, we're going to con- keep <laughs> creating more content for you. The tap will never turn off. Spend all your time with us. Spend all your time with us. So that's it. That's the, the weird part at the end <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> Sounds that, good. Uh, but uh, but I, uh, you know, t- that's another thing. Come at us. Tell us your screen time. Look at it. We'll all do it together. This is gonna, we're going to be like an accountability group. Like, you know, those, there's all those like, people on, they work out and they eat right and they, help, they do it to each other yeah. so they all can see it. <laughs> we're all going to wake up. We're going to crack a couple of eggs and drink them and then read a magazine. You know, <laughs> just trying to get that screen time down. I found myself on the streetcar, for example, uh, rather than using my phone, I stare vacantly out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And it works. It works perfectly. Or I've been doing a lot of sleeping on the subway. We're talking about sleep, sleep diet. That's the thing. None of us sleep right. Only LeBron sleeps. Um, I now sleep through my station on the subway, like, all the time. (laughs) I wake up. I'm supposed to get off at Spadina. I wake up at Bay Station. Like, oh, wow, that was not even a little bit. That's, like, three simple (laughs) Anyway, no one wants to read my diary. So that's it for this week. Winter weanings are starting uh, on Sunday. So then you'll hear, but hopefully hear and maybe see more from us next week. And hopefully the Blue Jays will do something. Clear up some of those log jams up and down the roster. But that's it. So for my name is uh, Drew Ferris. His name is Andrew Stoughton. We'll talk to you soon next week on Birds All Day.